0: Well, good morning, let's all stand, and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing Springs of Living Water, I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame. I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame, and nothing satisfying there I found, but to the blessed cross of Christ one day.
1: Father in heaven, I pray that you be with us as we go into this worship hour. I ask that you be with the Junior Church Primary Church as Pirate Man Dan ministers to the kids and has fun with them. And then this afternoon as we all have a good time, fellowshipping, enjoying one another, having lunch, and then enjoying Pirate Man Dan's presentation this afternoon. It's just, Lord, it's so good to be with our church family. I thank you that we can come that so much of the COVID fear has dissipated and people are coming out and feeling better. I pray that you'd continue to see that open up and work towards uh, there being no more fear. Lord, I do pray that you help us to rest in you today. Enjoy the fellowship that you provide us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated.
0: This is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaken I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Cause He's never let me down faithful through generations so why would he fail now he won't he won't I've still got joy in chaos I've got peace that makes no sense so I won't be going under. I'm not held by my own strength, cause I built my life on Jesus. And he's never let me down. He's faithful in every season. So why would he fail now? He won't He won't, he won't fail, he won't fail, he won't, he won't, he won't, he won't fail. Was built on you. I'm safe with you, I'm gonna make it through. Rain came, winds blew, but my house was built on you. So I'm safe with you, and I'm gonna make it I'm standing strong on you cause my house was built on you Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken I've never been more glad that I faith in Jesus cause he's never let me down he's faithful through generations so why would he fail now he won't he won't he won't fail Fail, he will
1: Thank you, Brother John. I would like you to take your Bibles with me and turn to probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible. Most often heard and known. Yes? It's not your microphone, sorry. That's okay. If there's anybody that their boys and girls don't know, Pirate and Dan is doing a program down below. It's all set up with the ocean and the sea and everything. So if they want to come down even if they want to stay with their little guys, just to let them know. In case somebody, don't come down there without a little guy. We're not letting you (laughs) in. So, if your children are up here and you want to go down, special program in junior church, bring your kids down. It's all set up down there. They're doing it. And we'd love for your children to be a part of it. Um, I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to read to you verse 16 down through 21. Title of our message this morning simply is God Loves You. And for you and I that are Christians that have received Christ as our Savior, it is a powerful reminder for why we receive Christ into our hearts and into our lives to understand and know that God loves you. In fact, we love him because he first loved us. That's That's a real part of our entire foundation of faith. It's why we come to church. It's why we worship the Lord. Because God loves us. Around the world, there are many different religions in every corner of the earth. But it is a hard thing to find religions around the world where their God loves them. Because false gods are often gods of harsh control. And they're used to control people. But it's just the opposite for true Christianity. Christ came not to be ministered unto. He didn't come because he wanted to be cared for. Christ came to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what the scriptures teach us. So when we start talking about Christianity, we start talking about Christ. It's all tied directly to the fact that God loves you. So John 3:16, a verse that even unsaved people can often quote, a verse that if you watch any world series or any large sporting event, you'll see somebody holding up a placard that says John 3:16 because the message is so simple. So we're going to start right there. And then I'm going to read down to verse 21. because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. Father in heaven, as we look into these scriptures, I pray that you would stir each of our hearts to remember this most basic of truths, that you love us. We pray for your guidance, for your spirit to stir our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we start off, we want to remember that God's love is an everlasting love. When he starts off in verse 16 by saying, For God so loved, then we have to step back and we have to look at God and we have to understand his love for us. It reminds me of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3. It says, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. So all the way back to the ancient Old Testament prophets, God inspired the prophet to pen down the words that God loves us with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, he says, have I drawn thee? Have I wooed you, beckoned you, drawn us to himself because of this everlasting love he has for us. It is without ending. That's what it means when the word says everlasting. Titus 1.2 says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began before the world began God knew that he would one day create humanity and in that humanity would be that sin nature because of sin against God but yet God still loves his creation he still loves you he still loves me it is amazing 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 says who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You see, God's love is everlasting, not just eternal to the future, but eternal to the past. That's hard for us to grasp because it's, such a deep theological concept that God is everlasting and his love for us is everlasting. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because you might think to yourself, well, I don't know that God loves me. I'm not really a very good person. I've done some horrible things. The Apostle Paul called himself the chiefest of sinners because he had hunted down, arrested Christians, and had them put to death before he became a Christian. But yet, he is the same one who penned the words that told us that we could turn to God for God so loves us. You and I, the reality is, we are a part of that love of God. When John 3.16 says, for God so loved, that includes you, that includes me. Even as Jeremiah 31 verse 3 said, at the end of that verse, he says, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You and I that have received Christ as our Savior, you and I that call ourselves Christians, you and I that have embraced the faith of the gospel, God drew us to himself. He wooed us, He beckoned us, He stirred our souls that we might seek and know Him. The interesting thing is, God does not desire that any should perish. His love is universal. That's why John 3.16 says to us, "For For God so loved the world. So it's not that God so loved Tim Taylor, although I'm part of the world, or that God so loved Henry, although he's part of the world. God so loves the whole world. He loves all of you, every one of us, you that are live streaming this morning. And and I get the live stream reports of the different regions and parts of our country and our world who live stream our services And believe it or not, we have people around the world who participate in worshiping at Victory Baptist Church. God loves you too. No matter where we live, if we're part of this world, if we're here, God loves us. It's that kind of universal love that compels humanity to turn to him and look to him. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says for the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but he is long suffering to usward not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. You see that's what it means when God says that he so loved the world that he desires every single neighbor, friend, relative Every single person from every continent, every corner of the earth. This morning when we have uh, our service and then we go out for our lunch. And as Brother Jeff has set up that little tent thing in the back. And as him and I talked, we want to give those funds to help refugees out of Ukraine. Help feed them, clothe them, care for them as their world has flipped upside down and their relatives and friends have been attacked and people have been killed. We want to do our part. Why? Because God so loves the world. He loves them too. That universal love, not desiring that any should uh, perish, but all should come to repentance. We care for the souls of those in, in the Ukraine. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved, and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So when we understand this eternal God who has an eternal love, and that that eternal love is an all-encompassing love, a love for all humanity that all people might be saved. That all might come to the knowledge of the truth. Your worst enemy. God loves them and wants them to come to salvation. Now he'd like them to be a better neighbor. A better friend. A better coworker, A better spouse. Better whatever. But the reality is he loves even the sinner. How do we know that? Because the scriptures teach us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not that he only loves or cares for those who are just sweet, kind, little old ladies. Or old men. <laughs> he loves even the cantankerous ones. Paul calls them curmudgeons. Where is Paul? Elmore? He was right over here. Where is he? In the nursery. Oh, he's in nursery. Okay. He calls them curmudgeons. Yesterday he made the statement we were we were working on things fr- back here, and he made the statement curmudgeon. And I said, "What is a curmudgeon?" And he said, "It's a grumpy old man." I said, "Okay." Now I'm not sure he was calling me a curmudgeon. I'm not sure. But listen, God loves us all. It is a universal love. Every corner of the earth. Your friends, your foes, God loves them. Loves them enough to die on the cross for them. His love for you and I is an unselfish love. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Brother Mike's going to bring it up on the screen here in the blink of an eye. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see, God so loved all of us. No matter who we are, he spared not his own son. That's how unselfish God's love is. That's why when you look at John three sixteen, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was not a selfish act that God did. It was an unselfish act. It was an act of sacrifice that you and I might find hope and eternal life in him. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. And did you know Jesus Christ has told us We are his friend. He says, I call you not servants, because if you were a servant, then I would not tell you all the things that I desire to do. But you're a friend. You and I that have turned to him and put our faith in him, we must never forget Jesus Christ is our friend. He died on the cross that he might give us eternal life. But even at this very moment, the Bible tells us he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I, because he is our friend. He loves you. He cares about you. He cares about what's going on in your family. He cares about your work situation. He cares about your todays, your tomorrows, and your eternal life. He is your friend. So John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world, that God unselfishly gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That word everlasting is a powerful word. It's a word that we really cannot grasp. We try, but it's hard. It's such a such a mysterious word for us. We think in terms of minutes and hours and days, months and years and decades and centuries. Maybe, maybe we even think of it in, in the terms of millennia. But even that is very hard for us. You know, we look back in our country, 1776. And we think to ourselves, wow, that's a long time ago. Only a few hundred years ago. Now when you start talking about everlasting. Thousands and thousands and millions and millions and billions and billions of unending time. And yet the Bible teaches us that God so loved us that he desires to give us everlasting life. So we, by faith, understand that his love for us is unchanging. That it doesn't wear out. It doesn't grow cold. He doesn't go ahead and and become, you know, disenfranchised and forget us. It's an unchanging, everlasting love. Revelation 1.8 tells us about God. It says, He is Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending. Which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty. That's our God. We forget that He's the very beginning of all things and He will be there all the way into everlasting. And you and I that embrace His love for us we will there be with Him into everlasting time. I want you to look with me, if you would, at the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and as we look at several of these verses coming down through, I want you to see that there is a great question posed to us all in Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 35 with me. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ? That's the question that's posed. Now we've already thought about the fact of who God is and his love for us. And who it is that is the recipient of his love. The entire world. But he tosses out this question in the book of Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then in contemplation he asks... Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Now remember, these are first century Christians that are being asked this question. These are Christians who are being persecuted, hunted down torn away from their families, brought and tried, but either by the Roman government or by the Hebrew religious leaders. These folks are facing true persecution even unto death. And Paul writes these words under the inspiration of God. Who can separate you from the love of God? Can the tribulation of the Roman Empire Can the distress of being hunted and persecuted. Can those persecutions or famines or nakedness or peril or sword. Can those things separate us from the love of God. Then he comes down a little bit farther. Says in verse 37. Nay. in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we talk about John 3.16, yes, it is a very common verse. But it's not common in its value. It's not common in its, in its depth, its impact, its power, its theology. It is an incredibly deep and powerful verse. It holds the weight of the value of salvation, eternity, and God. He tells us here, we can't be separated from John 3.16. None of these things, none of these tribulations, distresses, persecutions. None of these famines, nakedness, peril, swords. None of these things can impact the love of God for us, nor His children, their love for Him. You and I, we embrace the love of God. It's what makes us a Christian. We at some point, at some time, said to ourselves, yes, I believe. And yes, I receive. Yes, I want to be a follower of Christ. You and I that are here today, maybe there's somebody who you've not yet come to that place. Maybe you've heard the message many times. Maybe you've grown up going to Sunday school and going to church. But you've not yet come to that personal, individual place where you've said to yourself, Yes, I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to turn to Christ and I am going to receive him and embrace his love for me. His sacrifice, his unselfish gift upon Calvary. Maybe today you'd like to receive Christ. In a moment, I'm going to open it up for an invitation. and If you slip out from your pew and you come right here, Uh, I will have somebody open the Bible, answer your questions, pray with you that today you can receive Christ into your heart and into your life. God so loved the world. You, me. That he gave his only begotten son. Unselfish, sacrificial love. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a powerful truth. And I welcome you as my brothers and sisters in Christ to that truth today. When we go to fellowship in just a little bit, we fellowship on the basis of God's love for us. When we visit and share time with one another, it should be done with the reflection and glow of the love of Christ in us and for us. When you think of your church family who could not be here today, maybe for illness or travel or whatever circumstance, you you remember fondly and reflect kindly on those who God loves and you love as a brother and sister in Christ. And you that have not yet received Christ. How I implore you this morning. Take that step today. Come to Christ. Where he paid for your sins on Calvary. Because he loves you. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven. As we come and draw near to the end of this service. Lord such a powerful text. Such an amazing truth. I pray that you'd stir each of our hearts. Those of us who have received you. I pray that you help us to again. Fan the coal of our love and passion for you. And Lord if there be one person here. Who's not yet turned from their sin. To receive Christ as their savior. I pray that today would be the day. Stir our hearts. Draw us nearer to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think John has a song. Not not today. Not Not today. today. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I'm going to dismiss this in prayer. And um, thank you for being here. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd be with us as we go. Lord, I ask that you'd bless the food to our bodies that we're about to partake of this afternoon the fellowship that we're going to enjoy one with another on this beautiful, beautiful day you've given us. We thank you for our church. Lord, and I don't really mean just the facilities. I mean our people, our family. I thank you
0: for my brothers
1: and sisters in Christ who pray for one another and minister to one another. And I pray that you'd be with us throughout this afternoon. Help us to be an encouragement to each other. We as a church have gone through a very long, hard last two years. We as a nation, as a people, as a a world. And we need these times of refreshment. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're dismissed. Thank you so much for coming.